What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 17 of True North Talk, featuring Peter Burnett and myself, Joseph Staten. Uh, it's been a while. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. Um, as you all know, in the past episodes, life is crazy. As an adult, sometimes things get away, but I'm very glad that Peter and I can come back and make an episode. And this episode, we're going to have a few different topics, but we're, what we're going to focus on um, in the beginning is a couple... Uh, section of the scripture from first timothy um and we're going to kind of talk about uh the man and woman's role um, in the church and also in relationships um and yeah we'll, we'll dive into that but we're going to go ahead and start us off by reading first uh, timothy 2 so actually peter do you want to go ahead and read that yeah i can read that and just i'll give my kind of salutation whatever you want to call it for being being back recording a podcast uh Joseph and I have obviously been talking for the last couple of weeks, just, you know, regular communication back and forth, but haven't really had the time to record a podcast. So I'm happy to be back recording the podcast. And then, yeah, I can get started in reading in First Timothy 2. And Joe, if you want to stop me at any point or if you just kind of want to debrief after reading through the whole chapter, just let me know. But feel free to stop me while I'm, while I'm reading. All right. So again, this is 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's titled Instructions on Worship, starting in verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing, I also want the women to dress modestly, modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Hmm. So, obviously, I think the last section, verse 11 through 15, is probably pretty controversial for a lot of people to hear that. Uh, especially mm -hmm. in today's society with uh, third wave feminism and just this um, idea that women and men are equal in every single way. Um, which... I would say this doesn't even necessarily disagree with. I think that the last verse there um, actually kind of redeems the role of a woman. Because at first when you read that, it's like, a woman should learn in quietness and submission. I do not permit a woman to teach, to assume authority over a man. Like, if you read that, um, especially as a woman, you're probably like, hold on a sec. Like, this seems kind of messed up. But if you look at 15, do you want to read that one more time, verse 15? Yeah, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Yeah, so my my Bible, I have like a MacArthur Study Bible, so it breaks down all the verses. Um, 
very cool resource to have. But in that verse, um, it says like that it's interesting wording. Women will be saved through childbearing. So it says that women should not lead other men. They shouldn't have authority over a man. And why does it say that again, Peter? For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one that, you know, bit the apple, right? Was deceived, right. So right. It's, it's a very simple metaphor, but it's actually pretty powerful when you think about it because it is what happened. The woman was deceived um, before Adam. So therefore, uh, Paul is like, well, if we want to go back to the very beginning, that's a solid enough reason why women should not lead other men because women themselves were deceived in the first place in the very beginning. But the redeeming uh, verse here is that they will be saved through childbearing, and that's because women have such an important role in uh, motherhood and just raising children. Uh, I think arguably, I would definitely say this myself, others may disagree, but I think women have a much larger, stronger role in bearing a child and that relationship they have with them, nurturing them. Uh, even like simple things like, you know, breastfeeding. I mean, it's one little example, but like that's something a man does not do. And I just, the connection the mother has with the child is so strong. Um, I think that that's what that verse is pointing to. That's what my Bible says too, that like while they cannot lead other men in the church context or should not, they have such an important role in leading their children to raise them to become God-fearing children. So I think that... You know, for any woman that sees that and they disagree with that, I think uh, it's understandable at first, but it's also important to read the full thing and, and understand the, the full context there. But did you have any thoughts on that uh, 11 to 15 there? Yeah, I'll offer my thoughts on that before we go to the earlier part of the chapter because I think that some of that stuff's important too. Um, but again, I think like what you touched on a little bit earlier is this isn't saying that like women aren't equal to men like we're both made men and women are both made in god's image um but this i think i think a good way of what this is saying is just the different roles that that men and women were created to have um and because because of sin the perfect model that was was there originally was ruined and now i mean that's that's part of sin like this consequences of sin that god told adam and eve is that like you will I think it says something when he says to Eve like you will want um after your husband or something like that and so it just kind of shows that like it says your desire will be for your husband I think right exactly so it shows that the original intention wasn't for the structure that we have now but you know this these verses are just kind of showing showing the way for how how that should work kind of that that dynamic and again it's not a matter of like that you know, we're not on equal footing as human beings because we're men and women are both made in the image of God. Right. And you mentioned gender roles. Um, I'm just curious, what do you think about gender roles? Like, do you think it's good to have gender roles? Because I think a lot of people nowadays would say, no, gender roles are stupid. But I mean, people that would say that are the same people that would probably say gender is fluid it's a concept there's no such thing as gender mm-hmm. but like what do you think about gender roles you think it's good to have them i think it's just it's, it's just an, a natural part of life is having gender roles because 
obviously, dude, I don't want to make dude, a blanket statement and say it's not for everything, but... Peter, how could you be so sexist, for, my man? <laughs> but it's, how it's could just, you ever make such a statement? It's just part of our... <laughs> right, and I know, I know that's what some people would say, but it's just... I mean, like you said, in, in childbearing, for example, there are roles that a man can't do. Just like... I mean, just like I, I can't really th- think of a specific example. I mean, a man now, cannot if, like, physically. Time to think about it, I could, but a man literally cannot physically offer his nipple to the child. <laughs> it work right. that well, or or physically give birth too. So, well, I don't know. Those, I, those are two know, things that a man just can't do. Again, it depends on who you ask, because you know, some would say men can get pregnant and men can have periods. So, you know that again well. <laughs> depends on who you ask. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no, it's being serious though. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, but it, I mean, if you want to move on to the earlier part of the chapter, did you have anything else you wanted to add on this part? No, I mean, like, I going back to finishing your point on gender roles. I think, like you're saying, it's natural. Like, there's just things that men are naturally built to do, like go out and mm-hmm. conquest and forage. You know what I mean? And go out and conquer the world, and I don't know provide like that's what we want to do naturally mm-hmm. not saying a woman can't do that um but you know then you have like women i think um masculinity and femininity have different strengths so i think men's yeah you know strengths are not always the same as women's strengths and vice versa like we have weaknesses that they don't have and right. they have weaknesses right. we don't have but i don't think not either exactly. one is over the other like in a healthy relationship and I'm actually looking at Ephesians 5 right now because that's um, it kind of lays out how a healthy relationship should be. Uh, Ephesians 5:22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is a Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. But then it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church which is a sacrificial love. Christ died for the church. It just underlines how important that is. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So it's our responsibility to build her up in the word, to lead by example, not to be... Um, barking orders or feel superior, you know what I mean? Uh, but just right, right. to sacrificially love her. That's our role. And when you think about it, it's kind of what I was saying about like, you know, wanting to be like a provider. Um, that's sacrificial love because you're sacrificing your time, you're sacrificing your life essentially to provide for your wife and your kids. But that's what we are right, supposed right. to do. And like you were saying, I don't know if you have anything else to say on this, but, you know, in a healthy relationship, it's not about one being over the other. It's, it's equal. Right, right. We just have our different roles. Like, it's not about being unequal. It's just there's just different strengths. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and to add to that, I think that's why there are so many broken relationships is because both sides of the equation aren't willing to do what they're called to do. I mean, <laughs> there's a shortening or lessening of the amount of men who are willing to be you know this the spiritual leader of their household and to provide the the spiritual nourishment um 
and support for their wives that that's needed and then because of that because their their husbands or, or boyfriends or whatever don't live in that way women aren't willing to submit to them um and so i think that's why you see so many broken relationships whether it's you know people that are still together or people that have separated or gotten uh, gotten divorced is because and i mean there obviously are outliers that for those reasons but i think that's why big picture wise there are so many broken relationships in in present times is because both of the roles aren't fulfilled in so many relationships yeah and i think what you said about respect um is very important because i think respect is a prerequisite that's necessary for submission mm -hmm. especially with with wives and husbands like in my life group my church we talked about this ephesians passage back last summer or something like that and all the women in the room were like when we respect our husbands, we want to submit to him. Like, it's just natural. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to. It's our natural desire to submit, but we have to respect him. If we don't respect him, if he's not leading us spiritually, if he's not leading our household as he should be, we're not going to respect him, and why would we submit to him? So it's almost like... And at the end of the day, too, it's 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 more of a submission to God, really. Right, because we we're all just, submit you know, to God. Us, us as men are just kind of the the mediators between that. Right, we all submit to God. If we're, if we're doing our job right. Yeah, like the the husband and the wife should submit to God ultimately. So everybody, we all submit to God equally. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's it's a great, great uh, just to have that context and outline. Uh, I think a lot of people are missing that just in general, but especially in relationships yep. today um, mm -hmm. with our culture of, you know, hookup culture, tender, all this type of stuff, no commitment, yeah. you know, no sort of, you know, there's no like structure. Responsibility. Yeah. Or structure. Yeah. I mean, we throw in masculinity out the window, we're throwing femininity out the window. So I think it's important to have that. Throwing purity out the window too. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, if you want to go back earlier into that uh, passage, um, yeah. yeah. First Timothy 2, I don't know if you want to go to like verse 8, because that's like its own little section. Or if you want to start from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, because I, I feel like it's also important as men to to not just go through verses 11, 15. And obviously we talked about our own responsibilities in that too. And, and But instead of, you know, pointing the finger at, at what women are supposed to do, I think it's also important to to look at what we're supposed to do. And even starting in, in verse 1, it's we're called to pray and intercede and make petitions and thanksgiving for all people, um, for kings and those that are in authority um, and and so that you know and obviously that is the that command is for when that authority is placed in that authority by God and that they're doing what what God wants them to do because then the, the the next part of that is that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness so you know that doesn't mean that we we bow to to every leader that that's there cuz there are, there are so many that aren't that aren't portraying godliness or holiness but you know, for the ones that do, we are called to to pray for them and to to give thanksgiving for them. You know, all people are called to do that. Um, and then, um, and then also verses three and four. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so that kind of verse four, especially, kind of goes back to. It's been a while now, so I don't remember if it was the last one or two podcasts ago. We were talking about discipleship, but. Again, it's just about that our calling is to, 
you know, to make sure that all people that we have a chance to interact with are, are saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, so I think that's an important thing too. And then just quickly going ahead to verse eight too, it, it also shows our, the importance of prayer, um, and, and lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. And there's so much anger and, and disputing in this, in this current world. Yeah. And what you're saying about the importance of the gospel, um, I was looking at reading, I think I might've told you about this, but Dante's Inferno and yeah, just, I mean, just going through some of the illustrations of that book and what's in the book. I know that the book is not like really that much at all based on scripture, but you know, just having something like that, that describes the reality of hell, um, Mm -hmm. and seeing it, you know, it's, it's so easy to forget the severity of like what, what is really at stake here. You know, yeah. yeah. And I thought about that story about the rich man, and when he, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was Jesus, but he was talking to God. I think when he was in hell, and he's like, "If I could just please go back, just I don't even want to come back myself, but if I could just warn my family." And right, I'm so disappointed that I can't remember if it was Jesus down there, but well, he was he was, he was calling out to a. Was he calling out to Lazarus on the the other side of... Yeah, Lazarus. I I think it was a different Lazarus than the one that Jesus raised from the dead. Um, Because that that must have been a common name or something at the time. I think because I think it was a different Lazarus. But and and the point of that is that he was so desperate that he was calling out to somebody who he would never interact with. And he never did, you know, on on earth because he was like the lowest of the lows, just the beggar beggar on the street. And that's how how desperate hell made him. And that's kind of the illustration there. Um is you know that's how bad hell is is it it's absolute desperation right and like i think uh i think i forget what was said but it was like if you even if they saw they still would not believe like even if they saw god with their own eyes they still would not believe and yeah and i think that's what like i think maybe like and I, I wish I knew too, and I don't, I don't even know where to find it. I think it's it's obviously in the New Testament because I think Jesus is telling the story as an illustration. But I think like Moses or some other Old Testament figure tells him that that like they wouldn't believe it even if they heard. Or maybe it it might be Jesus that says that. I am forgetting the story too right now fully, but but yeah, that's that's what they say there. Yeah, this says uh, it's actually Luke. 16 verse 31 and he said unto them if they hear not moses and the prophets neither will they be be persuaded through uh the one rose from the dead so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like i said it's somebody in hell that's a real story like it's it's hard to conceive that being all this time later but that's a real person and Mm -hmm. just imagine you know one just one soul is worth so much so yep. all these reasons that we like choose not to spread the gospel, like fear of rejection, fear of judgment, whatever, like it's just not enough. Like these are, they're not valid reasons really when you think about it. Cause like, yeah. this yeah. is a eternal soul that matters so much. Right. Right. So that's what it also in the Bible talks about how, how like, how the, how the angels rejoice just so, so immensely when even just one soul is saved. Do you remember the uh, scripture that was from? No, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's somewhere in the New Testament, but uh, Luke 15. I think it might be with like the the ninety the ninety nine sheep and the one gets lost. I think it's kind of that 
it's around, around there. there. Luke fifteen ten. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, and again, that's there's there's if you need, if you need to know the importance of of just even just saving one person. person. Obviously, we don't do the saving, but presenting, presenting the opportunity of salvation, of salvation to one person. There's your there's your answer. Right. And, it, and again, that's something that really happens. Like, imagine seeing mm-hmm. the angels of God, you know, rejoicing. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> so that's the importance of uh, of what we're doing here and what we're daily supposed to do, you know, evangelize. Right. And I, I'm reading a book. I was telling Peter earlier before the podcast. Um, it's called Mere Evangelism, which those of you who know C.S. Lewis, his big book, uh, mere Christianity, this book is like kind of like breaking down, you know, his theories on evangelizing and just how we can put that into like daily use. And um, it's just a great read. I'm not going to go too much into it because I'm still reading it. But um, yeah, it's so important to like, if you don't feel comfortable with evangelizing, like try to get better at it because, or at least look into ways to improve um, because that's ultimately why we're here, especially as Christians. And that, that goes in our last podcast about discipleship. You know, discipleship is a requirement of being a Christian. Like we are called to be disciples. And how are you going to be a disciple of Christ if you can't even put into words why you believe what you believe? Hmm. You know, like if somebody comes up and asks you, why are you a Christian? Are you prepared to tell them why? Yeah, yeah. and that's something that Paul says is, Always be ready for, you know, to give an account of the the reason for the hope that you have. Right. Always be ready. So, anyways, that's something we all need to focus on, myself included. Um, but do you want to go ahead and, and read First Timothy 4? Kind of move on to the yeah. next little section here. Yeah, and so this, was, this is something that, and I guess we kind of touched on this already about just how the world's kind of falling away from God, but this kind of talks about how and why that happens and kind of, I guess, how we can deal with that. So again, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse starting in verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected as if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. 
be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I mean, dude, looking back at 11 and, uh, well, yeah, starting at 11, that kind of goes to what we were saying about being a spiritual leader, you know, Mm -hmm. and set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Right. And until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Mm, that's powerful, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we still need to do our podcast on spiritual gifts. But definitely. Um, that's something I, I've, uh, I mean, repeatedly prayed about. Like, please reveal to me how I can use my gifts in this life, you know, to, to bring mm-hmm. you glory. And... Man, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So maybe that's the answer. <laughs> maybe, maybe the answer is to surround yourself with elders and get prayed for and revealed about gifts. But I don't know. I mean, that's definitely a, a key way to, to go about it. But yeah, I think this this is a really powerful chapter that I haven't really, haven't really like deeply read through or studied before obviously i mean i've read through the bible a couple of times before all the way through um but i don't know if i've really ever stopped and read through through this chapter but i feel like it covers so much it talks about in kind of the first if you're looking at it i'm looking at it on bible gateway it's kind of divided into these like four sections just by like a little extra space in between them and the first one kind of covers how you know in later times is the way it words it. People will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Um, and it just kind of talks about how this happens. Teachings to hypoc- hypocritical liars um, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. That's pretty, pretty apparent how, hmm. how bad that is, I guess. What do you think about that actually right there? That's really interesting to me. Their conscience is being seared. I think it just shows that they've been, maybe allowed outside worldly influences to get to them, or they've just kind of turned away from God completely. Um, but they've just kind of, maybe I guess, or maybe they've been like, to use the heat analogy here, they've kind of faced the the heat of the world, the fire of the world, and have kind of succumbed to it. And they haven't, you know, instead of becoming strong with fire, like a, like a metal does, they become weak and melt. I mean, yeah. And that their conscience becoming seared mean to me when I read that, uh, our conscience is a gift from God too, because it allows us to discern good from evil. I mean, right, that's, that's right. The, and, that, and it helps us do and do what we're supposed to do. And what you meant, what you uh, picked out earlier in verse twelve to set an example. You know, if our conscience is seared, we can't set an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, or purity. Right. And if we're not able to discern good and evil, if it doesn't even bother us to sin anymore, then our conscience is seared. Hmm. And that's like right. That's pretty crazy to me that it's literally right here in this in this verse right here because like I've always had that belief like I wonder why people that sin like just live they live in sin and they hate God and they don't even care like right it's be I mean right here it's partially because they sin so much repeatedly over and over unrepented sin intentionally that their conscience eventually becomes seared they can't even tell what they're doing they don't even care anymore I mean it genuinely does not right. even feel wrong to them. So this, again, this talking about purity, spiritual purity, we have to protect our conscience. You know, we have to right. 
watch out for that because even the conscience is a gift from God. 100%. Yeah, we have to, I mean, the, the, I mean, it's one of the, I feel like, most commonly referenced part passages in Scripture um, to, to guard your hearts and your minds, you know, with, I, I forget how the rest of it goes, but I know it's just to, to guard your hearts and your minds, you know, against the, the seed and sin of the world. Right. Just be on constant guard. You're talking about uh, the spiritual armor there. Ephesians, yep. what is it, yep. Ephesians 6? I think so, I think yeah. so. Yeah, armor of God. Yes, sir. So that is powerful stuff, man. That's a great passage, those two passages. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then real quick before we move on from this too, I think kind of that middle part too, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And then I, I know verse eight is important for, uh, I guess, probably for both of us because, you know, we, we like working out. Um, we like staying in physical shape, but this kind of shows, you know, how important it is, how much more important it is to be in spiritual shape um, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come, because, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day. Sure, it's it, you know it, it allows us to do more things for God's kingdom when we're healthy here on earth, but you know we can't we can't bring the body that we work for here with us, you know. And obviously, we'll be given a new body anyways. So, I think it's I think this is important just to make sure that you know, and and this is a message to myself as well, or for people listening, just to make sure that you don't make Idolize your own your physical health and working out the priority, right. It's more important. I mean, it is more important to have good spiritual health, but it's also important to have good physical health because I think, um, you know, if we're not taking care of our body, it's almost like disrespecting the temple of the Lord. Exactly. You know? exactly. I mean, that's another part of Scripture. Our bodies are a temple of the Lord. Like, if you don't respect yourself, we're made, you're definitely we're made, not respect. We're made in the image of God. Yeah. If you don't respect your own body, like, uh, I don't want to say you don't respect God, but in some ways it kind of seems like that. You know, obviously there's right well and like I kind of briefly referenced too when you take care of your body it allows you to be more physically able to do you know to do the work of the kingdom whether it's working you know you know going down to on a mission trip and working in like construction or something like that and sharing the gospel while you're doing that or you know just being able to help out around the church by being able to to lift things around or being able to you know, bend down and pick weeds or whatever you know i know that's something that i've done at church before is help with like you know landscaping or stuff like that um you know if you're not taking care of your body you can't do that and that's one of the ways that we can serve serve the kingdom of god yeah absolutely i'm actually going to look up uh temple of the lord verse because i want to hear that i want to see that right right um, right whoa whoa Okay, do you not know that you're, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? 1 Corinthians 3.16. Also interesting, it's 3.16. I think 3.16 is an important set of numbers in the Bible. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Just, just a little important. <laughs> yeah. But, all right. Well, do you have anything else you want to say about Timothy? Um, I don't think so. I just real quickly, because, you know, we, me and Joe both know that we've had people who have skipped over parts of the Bible and, you know, we don't want to, obviously we can't cover the entire Bible in, in 
in one podcast, but I don't want to skip over, you know, obviously we read from two and four. I just want to quickly say, um, you know, I would suggest take, check, checking out chapter three. It's kind of about the qualifications for being um, an overseer or deacon in the church. Um, and then you referenced 316. And when you said that, I was kind of curious to see what Timothy 316 said. I thought it was kind of kind of interesting. Um, starting in verse 14, although this is uh, reasons for Paul's instructions from 1 Timothy 3, starting in 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of all truth, or of the truth. And then verse 16 says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He, obviously Jesus, appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. So, kind of another another pretty pretty cool verse there, another 316 in, in the Bible that's worth worth reading. That is very interesting, because I feel like that kind of coincides with John 316. I mean, it's obviously talking yeah, about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he appeared in the flesh, that's Jesus, and was vindicated by the Spirit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of dude. I would love to like look into like numerology because I know for a fact there's so much in the Bible with numerology, like right stuff lining up and just really strange occurrences with numbers. That right, and well, and there's even a book called Numbers in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but so obviously they must be a little bit important. Yeah, man, but I'd love to do, like, a study into, like, the numerology. I mean, I'm sure there's many studies you can do on numerology. I'm sure, yeah. But, yeah, and then speaking on, uh, I guess, kind of wrapping this whole thing up about relationships, um, I remember, I think, last week in my church, the message was on John 10, and uh, our the person who was preaching, a good friend of mine, um, was talking about our relationship with God, and he tied it in like a metaphor with his relationship with his wife and he was like you you have to put effort in like if you're relying on um if you're relying on every sunday just showing up to church and the pastor giving you your food you know spiritually and Mm -hmm. that's it it's just not going to work like you have to put effort into the relationship you have to go out of your way even when you don't feel like it sometimes and pick up the bible and read it and pray and make it a discipline, make it a, a commitment, because in a lot of ways it is like a. I mean, it's more important than a relationship with our wife, or hmm. friends, or whoever your parents. You know, this right. this is the most important well, relationship. Our relationship with God then feeds into those relationships as well. Right. So I think a lot of people just don't understand that, um, and I think it's partly a failure of the church in America, especially the modern church, hmm. but just the idea that you're supposed to show up every Sunday and that's all and hmm. you'll be good. It's almost like a tradition more than a relationship. That's why I hate yeah. like, I don't know if you, if this ever bothers you, but like when somebody who's not like a Christian will say like, Oh, you're religious. Like you're a religious person. I'm like, no, I'm not religious. Like I'm about relationship. Like I hate that word right, religious. Exactly. Cause when I hear religious, yeah. it sounds yeah. like I hear tradition and like Pharisees, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not religion. It's 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 life. It's relationship. It's alive. You know. Right. Exactly. I mean, religion kind of, and what you, what you just said there, alive. It kind of, to me, the when religion is said the way that it is by that by people now, compared especially compared to a relationship, it's like, 
it's just so lifeless. It's like you're just going through the motions every day and you have to follow like this strict law and you know, you don't get anything out of it. You don't have any sort of like emotion involved in it or any sort of, like you said, like a relationship in it. It's that's why people are so quick to turn away from quote unquote religion when really they should be looking for a relationship. Yeah. And religion, I mean, when I hear religion, the word is sound like in my mind, it's almost a synonym for tradition. Hmm. That's exactly what I hear. So I don't know if there's anybody listening to this podcast that's not saved or does not have a relationship with God. Like, I think it's important to understand, too, that that's not what the church is. Like, that's not what the real church is about. That's not what Christianity is about. It's not about religion. It's not about you going to church every Sunday, you saying your prayers, you going home for the week, blah, 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 following a set of rules. Like, it is about relationship. Every single day we pray, we have a connection with God. He leads us. He fills us with his spirit. That's what it's all about, you know? And the, and people should see that in you. They really should. I'm not saying you got to be this, oh, bubbly, you know, type of person. But, like, if that's not you naturally, you're never going to be able to fake that. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm like that, right. you know, personally, like over overly bubbly all the time. But, like, you know, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit does um, set you apart. Give you joy. It gives you joy. It gives you life and energy. And yep. Hope. hope yes and these things that um you know this is the most you just can't find when you search in the world you just, i mean you might find fleeting temporary but it doesn't last when you look for satisfaction and joy and happiness and contentment in in the world and now dude now i really want to get that book i'm reading by c.s lewis because there was a quote about that um and okay. the author who wrote the book did not used to be saved like he was like i didn't i was not saved myself and then he read one of Lewis's works, and I forget the quote, but it was like, "The reason that none of these things satisfy is because I'm not, I'm not here to live this for this world. I'm here to live in another world. Like I'm here for. This is not the world that will fulfill me. This isn't me. our home. Like no matter what I do, and I think the author was talking about concerts, you know, drugs, alcohol, partying, what, blah blah blah. No matter what he did, he was not satisfied. Ultimately, he had no peace because. In, in the words of Lewis, we're not we're not put here for this earth. We're put here for another, you know, another purpose. We're really preparing ourselves and others for the second, um, the second life, so to so to speak. Yep. But yeah, anything else you want to say to wrap this up? No, I think you you wrapped it up pretty well. Yeah, I guess just add that, you know, people look in. You know, there's the, the song looking for love in all the wrong places. People people look for happiness and joy and satisfaction in all the wrong places on this earth. And so many of those things, I mean, you kind of reference them, drinking, partying, concerts, sex, all that stuff is, is temporary. But, you know, true abiding happiness and joy can only be found through a relationship, not, not a, you know, uh, you know, not saying, oh, I'm a Christian or you know, I, I follow the religion of being a Christian. It's about having a true, alive relationship with, with Jesus. So yeah, I guess that's what I would add is for people who maybe feel like they they can't find happiness or peace or calm in, in this world, I would suggest, you know, to to see where, where you're trying to find that peace and happiness and strongly, strongly uh, urge you to to look look to God instead. I mean, 
because wouldn't you say, Peter, um, uh, I would say personally that, you know, I do have a peace that comes from God, like at all times. Um, you know, it's not it's not to yeah. say that we don't deal with like anxiety or, you know, right. fear or any of these like emotions, sadness, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, we do have a peace that comes from God and can come from nothing else. Like, mm-hmm. and it's real. And I want people to hear that. Like, yep. if you're listening to this, you don't have that peace, and you're and you think, oh, it's just uh, you know, these people are just saying this. No, it's real. Like, the peace of God is everlasting, and it will fill you up from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like when we, personally, dude. I don't. Again, you can say for yourself if this is how you feel, but like, when I go to bed, man, if I read the Bible and I pray, and you know, do my due diligence, and you know work on that relationship with God, I do have a peace. It's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I am a <laughs> I am at eternal an eternal level of peace right now because no matter what happens, yep. I'm with God, you know? Yep. Would you agree with that? And that's, and why, that's why Oh yeah, 100% and Normally for me, it's more like when I'm waking up, getting that focus started, because by the end of the day, I feel like I'm in, you know, so normally I might, you know, lift up a, a quick prayer and I feel like maybe I should be a little bit better about spending time with God before I go to bed. But, but that's why, um, you know, the first thing that I do every morning is read my Bible, you know, just to get the, the tone for the day set in, in the best way that you possibly can by, by reading the word of God and, you know, and a lot of times often I'll maybe lift up a quick prayer either after that or maybe when I'm in the shower or when I'm making breakfast or at some other time early in the morning just to kind of, you know, get get off on the right foot for the day because once you set that tone, you know, you, I mean, you can always like go to it during the day, but I feel like a really good way to get started and to get your day again set on the right foot is to do that when you like first get up. And not to, you know, go back to what we were saying about just discipline in general, but it is a discipline mm-hmm. and it kind of gets yep. the, yeah. it gets the ball rolling. You know, if you wake up, oh, yeah. you don't always want to pick up a book and read. Um, and it, it, is, it is a discipline. So there's not, I don't think there's really anything better than starting your day off like that. But yeah, well, yeah. Well, and it doesn't, I would suggest also not starting out and trying to read like, like if you've if you've never really picked up your Bible much or even at all, I wouldn't suggest trying to do a read through the Bible in a year, um, because I mean there's another passage in the Bible that talks about like spiritual food. We can't start out, you know, babies can't. And I think we talked about this, you know, that babies can't start out with, with a with a steak or with like, you know, like an apple or something like that because they would choke on it. You have to start out with something that, that you can handle. You know, like for a baby, that's that's milk or baby formula after a little while and they kind of build up to being able to eat more and more solid foods. Um, so if you're just starting out, you know, for the listeners out there, my suggestion would be, you know, start out with just a couple of verses. The best place to start is in John, which is in the new Testament or in one of the other gospels. If again, if you're just starting out, I mean, you could start in Genesis cause that tells the story of, you know, creation from the beginning. But you know, if you're really looking for spiritual, nourishment that's easy to read easy to handle and relatively speaking short or divided into you know little like subsections you know the the gospels are the best place to start yeah just getting getting the ball rolling and exactly you know whether that's in the morning or night for you it doesn't really i don't think it makes too much of a difference but um, ideally we probably want to pray in the morning and at night but you know it's not always that's what i was going to say 
So maybe at first you might start out just by doing it in the morning or at night, but yeah, I feel like the best way to do it is probably both. And even throughout the day at random times, just, yeah, but you we, know, if you're, we also don't want to be disingenuous or, you know, just do it out, mm-hmm. out of repetition. You know, prayer is a, is a right. very, well, what, I, what I was going to say was, you know, throughout, if you do it throughout the day, again, not disingenuously or just for, you know, if you do it out loud don't do it for show, but like, when situations present themselves where either maybe a little bit of anxiety pops up or on the flip side, maybe you're really grateful for something that happened, just lift up a quick prayer of thanks. You know, it's, I I would say the best way to do it. And, you know, I can't speak for, for different people. I feel like the best way for me to do it is like little things throughout the day, or if I'm frustrated about something, just offer a prayer for patience and, and peace. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's yeah, not just randomly doing it without any sort of goal or point, but um, you know, doing it for a reason. You could in addition to beginning and end of the day. You could always just like pray in tongues whenever you pray and that's it. Never say a single word. Well, yeah, I mean, isn't isn't that how you normally do it? I know I, that's how I do it. Yeah, dude, this tongues. That's, dude, when I go to bed, that's totally it. I just <laughs> ramble off yeah. until I go to sleep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, because you're you're pretty much you know when you're when you're about to go to sleep and you're really tired after a long day of work, you're, you know, it's easy to speak in tongues then. <laughs> no, again, no disrespect. We're not disrespecting anybody who believes in tongues. I don't even know if I can say I don't believe not. in tongues personally. I need to do the no, research. No, I, I think I think some churches probably do it for show, but I I don't think it never happens. No, I I think it exists. But I, yeah. when we when we joke about this, it's fun to poke fun at. We, though you know yeah. we're poking fun at the people who do it that are faking it. That's that's right. the right. idea. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not disrespecting God at all because I know tongues. I think tongues right. are real, honestly, in the right context. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Well, but and even that, like, real quickly on that point, that kind of gets into um, what I read at the beginning of First Timothy four that says that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons and that teachings will come through hypocritical liars. That is a really good description of people who use tongues just for show and not genuinely inspired by God. Yeah, it's just something to appear uh, as more of a Christian, quote unquote, than other people. Right. Right. Like, oh, look at me! I have the Holy Spirit. You don't. Like. Right. Right. And then that, you know, that again, that gets into the whole religion thing. That's why I say it's not about religion. Hmm. You know, certain denominations yep. would probably say you have to speak in tongues to be saved. I mean, I would. Right. I don't know about that. So this is a good example. But, um, yeah, I think the uh, most important thing is we want to get this episode out. We're already almost to a, an hour. Jeez. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff today. Uh, hope we encourage somebody out there. And, um we had a conversation that I don't think a lot of people are having these days about, um, mm. you know, gender roles and relationships, relationship with God. And, um, you know, it's unpopular stuff, but it's true. And uh, right. we hope we encourage somebody out there. So is there anything else you want to say, Peter, before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I think you covered it pretty well. I guess just was there was there something that you wanted to talk about before the podcast or do we already cover that? Uh, I can't, honestly can't think of anything else, man. I think we're okay. pretty much dirty up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're good, I'm good. So, thank you everybody for listening. Um, make sure you drop a like, rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify, and we will see you guys next episode. Peace out. Peace. Peace.